Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'd just like to briefly introduce the people that I'm traveling with today. It is such a joy to be traveling with my family. I don't often get a chance to do that. Uh, but as, as uh, we have become very close friends with uh, Pastor Andrew and Sue, it has just been a joy to actually travel together. And this is our second time in Scotland. And uh, it's a wonderful honor to be here again. And this time I have my wife, Rami, with me and my daughter, Sade, with me and uh, from Finland. Uh, thank you so much for uh, welcoming and receiving us. And uh, thank you for putting up a wonderful heat wave this morning outside. This is, um, you know, this is the middle of the summer for us in Finland. That's the weather that we have, you know, a little bit of rain and about 16 degrees. That's about it, what we get for summertime. So I really want to thank you for that. You guys have gone above and beyond, you know, the call of, call of duty to make us feel welcome. It's, an, it's, an opera, it's a privilege to be here. However, this last summer, we had a uh, heat wave. Most of Europe experienced it, and so did we. And uh, for once, we were grateful for the climate change. My goodness, bring it on. You know, if that's the summers that we're going to have in Finland, and 30 degrees and, and warm, and our lakes got warm, usually they're cold even in the summertime, pretty much, uh, I think, similar to the situation in Scotland. So, so uh, you know, this was a really spectacular summer that we had. But there was one uh, particular incident that happened. Because of the heat wave this summer, we had a problem with people uh, going out to the, to the beaches and, um, and getting in trouble as they were swimming. And we had uh, a high record of swimming-related accidents and deaths this summer in, in Finland. I remember one afternoon in July, um, I was reading the newspaper as one of the newspapers comes up, or actually there. Uh, online version, and it pops up with some news every once in a while, and I got this notice that said, said that um, a drowning, you know, and I said, oh, Lord, and so I, I, I looked at it, and I, I read about it, about a mother who had actually been swimming with her daughter, and the daughter had gotten into trouble in the kind of a deep end of a lake, and, um, and so the mother had gone there and, and uh, had started to pull her back and apparently lost strength. And uh, had been able to hand her daughter to somebody who was swimming by, but then herself had drowned. And it took 47 minutes for the paramedics to uh, find her, the divers to come and find her, even though the whole beach, entire beach had been immediately combed and they had formed lines and, and everything like that. And, and as I was thinking about that, about the mother handing over the six-year-old daughter to, to somebody passing by and then and drowning herself, I thought, what a horrible tragedy that family is going through. Half an hour later, I get a phone call. It was a member of our congregation a young mother in our church, and uh, the father was crying on the phone and said, I have lost my wife, a 35-year-old young lady. And she was just not a member of the congregation. When I was a youth pastor in this, in this same church, I was the one who had led her to the Lord, who had baptized her, who had uh, been there for the baby dedication and blessed their child. I had been the one who'd been, uh, who, who had been a part of their lives. And this came really, really close. And for the summer, rest of the summer season, our church was almost go, like going through a shock. Where was God? 
I don't know if you've ever asked that question, where was God when, or where is God right now? How many of you have ever asked that question? You know, be honest. You know, we're in church. You're supposed to be honest when you're in church, you know. God sees your hand. Uh, so that question that comes up, where is God when something bad is happening? Does he not see? Was he absent-minded? Was he focused on something else? Was, he, was his eyes over in North Korea or in Syria while the young mother was drowning in Helsinki, Finland? What was happening in that situation? Because of the problems that we have, people tend to have different types of reactions. But I want to take you to the Bible first and, and see one of the best passages, best known passages in the entire Bible. It is often quoted in funerals. It is often quoted in weddings. It is often quoted in times of trouble and in times of good. It was probably one of the best known passages in the Bible. It's called Psalm 23. And I think we're going to look at some of the answers of where God is today. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along Psalm 23. If you know it by heart, you can just quote it out loud in your mind. If you, if you don't remember it, you can read it and uh, along on the screen as we go through it. It says here, a Psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's have a moment of prayer together. Heavenly Father, in this morning, beautiful morning that you have created, I know that you have something that you want to express to us, something that you want to share to us. And so we ask you in Jesus' name, would you speak to us? Would you anoint not only the speaker with your Holy Spirit, but anoint every ear so that they would be listening. This is for me and every heart that it would be open for what you have to say this morning to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 The biggest question and the biggest objection that people have against God or his existence is an unfair or perceivedly unfair historical experience either in the history of the world or in the personal life. And most often it comes from a personal experience because I didn't see God in that situation because God allowed this to happen. I don't believe that there even is a God or I don't believe that he's concerned or I don't believe that he's... It's usually based on a very personal experience. If, because there was the Holocaust, there must be no God. And actually when people are faced, when you and I are faced with different types of situations, circumstances, storms, if you will, when we are faced with some of these things in our lives that seem unfair seem like it could have been prevented but was not prevented when we listen to something that's happening in Syria when we listen to something that's happening in Venezuela when we listen to something that's happening in Congo when we listen to something that's happening somewhere in the world and we say where is God 
It usually leads human beings to have four different types of responses. The first response is the atheist response. It says, well, there is no God. There was a holocaust and he didn't stop it. There is no God. Or something bad happened, there must be no God. If, because God didn't heal my mother when she was dying, there must be no God. Whatever that personal experience is or historic experience, that is what brings us to an objection to, I don't think that there really is a God. There must not really be a God. A second way that people tend to uh, respond to this is, is that uh, attitude or that thought, that um, uh, the agnostic thought, well, there may be a God, but there's no way for us to know for sure. And because he didn't step into that situation, um, I'm still you know, on the fence about whether there is a God or not. It's a very popular postmodern way of looking at, at uh, the existence of God as well. There's no way to really uh, know if there's a God. And there's a third response that people often have to this question is uh, that what is called the deus, that there is a God. He created everything. He created the heavens and the earth and the human beings and the fish and everything. But then he took a step back and said, all right, you guys handle it on your own. You know, just do it what you, what you, you know, and we'll see how it goes. And he's watching from somewhere or maybe not even paying attention, but he's somewhere distant and he's not involved in the day-to-day of today. But then there's the fourth view that the Bible teaches. That the Bible says what God is about and where God is. It is a, what King David says. King David says that, that yes, there is a God who created everything. There is a God who created you and me, who saw us before we were formed. In the mother's womb, he already saw us. He saw our future days. And not only did he see, but he's actually intimately involved in our everyday lives. Now, I don't know about you, but this is kind of the part that I would like to say amen to. This is the part that I would like to say, yeah, I'll choose that one. <laughs> if, if I get to choose, I'll choose that one. I'll choose that view that says that there is a God and that he cares. Not only sees, but he cares. And the Bible expresses that he even loves us. That he even loves us. In this Psalm 23, I want to just bring out quickly five places where God is. Five places where God is and meets you and me in our daily lives. He is in our human affairs and he wants to be involved in our life. Where is God? Firstly, he's in the moments when I feel alive. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. In the moments of plenty, in the moments that I feel the most alive, in the moments where I am lacking nothing, in the moments of my rest, in the moments where I'm mentally sound, where I experience his peace and joy and love, in the moments of refreshing, God is there. 
The reason you're experiencing is that because that's what God's nature is like. He wants to refresh us. He wants to take care of us. He wants to show us. He wants to provide us everything that we need. How many can say amen to that? I believe that God wants to provide everything that we need. How do I know that? Because he said it himself. He said it that he wants to take care of us. In the moments of refreshing What are these moments that we feel that? Well, for me, when I feel those moments, I'm usually, you know, one of the highlights of my my moments is, uh, besides the day I got saved and I gave my heart to Jesus, and besides the day I got married, of course, I have to say that because I'm here with my wife, Um, besides those beautiful, momentous occasions, one of the most exciting things that happened to me the moment where I felt at most like, wow, I felt complete was, was when I was in the birthing room and I was receiving our firstborn child and then our secondborn child and then our thirdborn child and then our fourthborn child. And two months ago when we received our two foster kids, Those are the moments that I've most felt, wow. To hold my firstborn daughter in my hand, and I mean, she fit, you know, right here. You know, her head right into my hand, and her feet were up to here. And I could hold her and carry her, and I could look at this miracle and, 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 and just stare at her and then look at my wife and say, we made this. We made this. Well, actually, God did, but we had something to do with this. This is amazing. And you know, those moments, those first moments when they first grab a hold of your little finger and they squeeze it, and I was like, oh, I feel alive. But you know what was one of the most best experiences that I had with our firstborn was this one. One day she grabbed a hold of my finger and was looking at it. And I mean, you could see that she was paying attention to it. And, and, and uh, she was looking at, at the lines. And, and then all of a sudden her eyes started to follow my hand. You know, it started to follow, you know, the length of my arm and, and, and all the way up to my shoulder. And all of a sudden she connected that, oh my goodness... This hand is connected to this face that I really love. You know, this funny guy who always smiles at me and and laughs. This hand is connected to the face. One of the best moments in your walk with Jesus is when you start realizing that his hand, the provision, the provider, the helper, the protector is connected to his face. And when you stop looking any longer for his hand, but you start rather focusing on his face. Because you know that once you start looking at his face, the hand will follow. You don't need to be looking for his handouts because you're looking for his smile upon your life. You know, another way to translate the favor, the word favor of God, is the smile of God. When you start looking at his favor, at his face, you start looking for his smile upon your life, the hand, it will follow. 
Those are the moments you can feel alive. Oh, I feel refreshed. I feel like the Lord is with me. I feel like he has been so good to me. That's when you can start singing this song, not just because it's an opening song, but because you believe it. And you cannot wait for that moment when they start talking about how good God is. God is good. Mm, I'm going to try this side. This side is still asleep said, God is good. Let's try it one more time. I'll give you a second chance. God is good. Yes. Ooh, they brought the hands in. You guys are in trouble. We'll try that in a moment again. (laughs) I'll give you a chance. Don't worry. The second time that King David says that we can experience God that we can actually feel God, that, 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 we can, that where he says that he is, whether we feel it or not, is in the next uh, uh, small portion of the verse. Uh, it says that we can feel God in the moments that I am led, you know, in the, in the moments that I am being led, in the moments where, where something unexpected happens. Uh, it, it says there in, in verse 3, in the second part of the verse 3, that he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Now, I don't know about you, but in my life, I have experienced countless times in my life where I have just happened to be in the right place at the right time and met the right person. It's just like, how did that ever happen? You know, when I was, when I was, uh, um, 19, 20 years old, you know, I had, I had committed my life to the Lord and wanted to serve in ministry. So I'd gone to Bible school and I said, Lord, please, this year I only want to focus on you and finding your face and your favor. Please put blinders on my eyes so that I will not see anybody else, especially women. And you know, three weeks later after arriving at Bible school, I was madly in love because it just so happened that the world's most beautiful woman attended the same small Bible school in upstate New York. A small Bible school. Can you believe it? The world's most beautiful. And I was like, Lord, what did you do this for? I said, I just want to concentrate on you. But when God says, I lead you down the right paths. And it's an awesome thing that next year we're going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary. It is exciting. It is exciting. It is. When you, when you feel, you know, you, you just, you're looking for a job and all of a sudden you're in the coffee shop and, and you start talking with somebody and they, hey, do you, do you need a job? You know, th- those moments of how did that happen? How did I meet that right person at the right place? How did I just come at the right moment into the train compartment that I was? How did, how was that? That's God actually leading you. And some of you perhaps came here and you were wondering, how how did that happen to come here this morning? It's because God was drawing you. God was pulling you. God was trying to get your attention. And that's why you're here today. Just don't tell anybody. Just keep it just between you and me and, and him. But I know you're here. You're here for a reason. Because God is drawing you. God is pulling you. God is wanting to meet with you. God is more concerned about reaching you than you are ever about reaching him. He is a good God. In the moments that you are led, you know, 
third part where it says that uh, the Bible says that Psalm 23 says that we meet with God is in the moments. And this is the hard part. In the moments, I'm in the darkest valley. In the moments, I'm in the darkest valley. It says there, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. Now let me make a statement here that might shock you a little bit. God is not omnipotent. All right. (laughs) You're shocked enough. Let me go here to God is not omnipotent. He cannot do everything. There the Bible says, for example, that God cannot lie. The Bible says, you know, and, and, and we, we have tried to make, you know, especially people who doubt the existence of God and want to come attack the character of God and want to attack the Bible view of God, they will come up with those things. Can he make such a big stone that he cannot carry it himself? You know, that's like, uh, God actually has limited. There are things that God cannot do. He cannot make a lie. He cannot make a round triangle. In other words, he cannot do anything that would contradict his character or his nature. If God says that I am love, then that means that he cannot do anything that contradicts that nature. If God says that this is the truth, then he cannot go and do something else. He cannot lie. God is not able to do that. So in that respect, God is not omnipotent. But he is also limited by the choices that he has made. And one of those choices that I think that he was a little bit, you know, a bit out there was when he decided to give you and me free will. (laughs) When he decided to give you and I, we can do anything we want to, you know, that, that we can choose whatever we want to, that we can choose right or we can choose wrong. We can choose good or we can choose evil. It is up to us. I think he made a mistake. Now, I don't know if you know the story of the creation and, and then there was a fall because, you know, Eve and Adam were happening to be by a big tree, a tree that they said, that, you know, God had said, don't eat of this tree. And they decided that, you know, it looks so good. I'm going to take some. And so Eve takes the first bite, you know, and they're, they're, cons- uh, they're you know, uh, the, the, the devil comes and, you know, and encourages them to do the wrong thing. And so, so they do that, you know. And, and, and I, for, the, for the life of me, you know, I'm not a very deep theologian. I just let you, let, let you know that. I'm not a very deep theologian. But for my entire childhood, youthhood, and adulthood, I have said that if I was Adam and God told me that I could not eat from that tree, the first thing that I would have done was go and chop down that tree. And make some apple pies. That's what I would have done. You know, that's just just personal me. You know, why have even a, a you know an option? Just take out the option. That is also part of my um, uh, great parenting skills. You know, just take away the options. You're gonna eat this, or you know, it's porridge or it's nothing. You choose. You know, you have free choice. It's it's porridge or nothing. That's your choice today. That great parenting, uh, successful, great <laughs> parenting, but. You know, I would have done that, but God didn't because he wanted to be faithful to what he says. I'm going to give you the choice, and you today have a choice. And because of the choices that people have, there is so much evil in the world. 
Because of the choice that people make, choices that we make, we hurt other people. Because of the choices that we make, there is so much suffering in the world. That's the biggest of them. It actually has to do with the choices that people have made because of the free will that God gave to people. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, God cannot create a free man and at the same time limit him from choosing wrong. You and I, we have the option to choose wrong as well. But okay, that's one part of, how about then, you know, tsunamis and leukemia and earthquakes and tornadoes and, you know, and big monstrous waves. What, what about those? Can, can God, you know, not prevent those? Can, can't he stop those? Why is there so much suffering that the nature is creating? You know, I just want to remind you that man, you and me, we're not immortal, we are not immortal. There is a, a date that is set. The Bible says that God already knows the date at when we are going to die, and we don't want to think about it, but that's the truth. There is a day when this, this all will end, and, and that's the day that we have, you know, someday we have to face, you know, the other side. But, but, but to this day, we, have, we are not immortal. We don't live. There's a part of us that is immortal, but our bodies someday will die. And we are a part of creation that the Bible says is groaning with birth pangs. It's groaning. It's not ready. It is partly decaying. It's partly dying. And it's wanting to bring about something that is new. And, and because of that, you know, Christianity has this answer. That there will be a day. I know you're suffering right now, but there will be a day when there will be no more suffering. I know you're crying right now, but there will be a day when there will be no more tears. Because he himself will wipe every tear from your eyes. There will be a day. There will be a day. Oh, I'm waiting for that day. I am enjoying life. But you know, there are those moments like this last summer. When I was hosting a funeral for a young mother. And looking at his husband, her husband... And they're two young children, nine and six years old. And I'm doing the, the homily, you know, preaching the sermon, trying to find comfort. And as, as I was doing that, you know, I, I, I looked at the two young kids and seemed like everything was just going over their heads. So I said to the congregation, just one moment, please. I need to talk. The two very important people. And I went and I took a small stool from the side and I sat down right in front of the two young children that have just lost their mother a couple of weeks earlier. And I said to them, you know, kids, I had a small juice box. Do you know these juice boxes? Have you seen these before? And they said, yeah. I said, it looks, it's got a cool picture on the front, doesn't it? And I said, Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, they were engaged. And I said, I said, what's cool about this juice box? Well, the box. I said, yeah, it is a cool box. Would you like an empty box? And they said, no. It's the stuff inside that makes it really great, doesn't it? It's the stuff inside of the box that makes it. And they said, yeah. I said, would you like to have the juice box with this juice inside? And said, yeah. And so I gave it to them. And, and then I said, you know what? The part that's in that casket today is just the outer box of your mother. The good stuff 
that was inside her, the eternal part, the, 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 the one that God has died for, that's already with him in heaven. That's, she's not there anymore. Today we're going to say goodbye to her, but I want you to know that she is there waiting for you. And I want you to know, because the question that they were asking from me, and the husband was asking from me, and the parents, grandparents were asking, and the church was asking, where was God on July 19th? And I read this portion of the scripture, and it says there that when she was sinking to the depths of the lake, and the darkness started to surround her. There was also a light at the bottom of the lake because it says there that the good shepherd was there with her crossing that river to the other side. Jesus was there receiving her because it says that he's there when we pass through the darkest valley. I don't know what valley you are going through. This was actually not the sermon that I was asked to preach, but I asked if I could preach this sermon because I just felt that there might be somebody here today, somebody here today who's going through a dark valley and Jesus would like to tell you that he is with you. He is with you. If you don't know him yet, he wants you to get to know him today. And in a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to get to know him. But it says there are two more things. The fourth place that God says that he is, he's in the presence of your enemies. When you're facing your enemies. It says there in verse 5 of, of uh, Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> I don't know about you, but if I was a, like as a father, you know, thinking where are we going to have dinner tonight with my kids? The first place that I think is not to, oh, let's go find some enemies and let's just have a picnic there and look at the enemies, you know? <laughs> That's, that's not what, you know, but that's what the good shepherd says that he does. He says he, he, he will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Now, how many of you know that you do have still enemies? We have enemies. We have sickness. We have death. We have, we have poverty. We have unfairness. We have evil. We have enemies. And we have a real physical enemy that is trying to steal, to kill, and to destroy our lives. We do have real enemies. And God says, I'm going to prepare a table before you. And we're going to have a picnic. Let's have some haggis. Let's have some, some good pancakes. You know, and, and, and we can watch the enemies while we're eating. Now, why on earth would he do that? Because a good shepherd wants us to be aware that there are enemies out there. That there are real things out there that challenge us. That there are things that we're going to face in our lives that we need to be prepared for. That we need to see and look and be able to face and, 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 and know that while we're facing them, it's going to be okay. 
because the good shepherd is with us. I love this. When the Bible speaks of the enemies, there's a portion in the New Testament where Paul says out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 36 that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Last enemy to be destroyed is death. But he has conquered already everything else. You know, he has, he has conquered the power of sickness. He has conquered the power of, of poverty. He has conquered unfairness. That all of those things he's conquered, they're under his feet. We might be seeing them still affecting us, but, but he has already conquered them. But there is a day coming when death itself will be destroyed. Woo! Death itself will be destroyed. Death itself will be destroyed. Acts chapter 2 actually says this. God raised him, Jesus, from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Ooh. Yeah, let's give a praise to Jesus. He, death could not conquer Jesus. At the funeral, I told the kids, your mom is not in this box. She is with Jesus, and she's waiting for you. And there will be a day when the grave shall open, and the sea will give its dead, and the earth will become, and everybody will be raised up for the judgment seat of Christ. And that's going to be an awesome thing. You don't need to, this is one judgment that you don't need to be afraid of if you're a follower of Jesus. You can go to heaven and you don't need to have a worry in your mind because Jesus already paid for the punishment that would have otherwise come for us. The fifth and the last one about Psalm 23, it's, it's this, the fifth voice. Where do we feel God? We feel God whenever we feel his goodness and his mercy. Or his love. Whenever we feel his goodness bite us and mercy nip us. And I'll, I'm just about to come to the closing. We lived in Australia for three years. And in Australia they have a lot of sheep. They have a lot of sheep. I know that you have it up here as well. But you know it, we lived in a town or in a city. So we didn't see much sheep. But there was one afternoon that we went for a drive with our family. And uh, we were just one looking at the countryside, the bush, they call it in Australia. And we were, we were driving. And all of a sudden, there was this empty, completely empty road, long, straight road. And up ahead, we saw that there were some sheep that were crossing the, 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 the highway. And, and so we come to a stop, you know, well in advance of the sheep. And, and I noticed that there was to be a part of the fence that had fallen down, that had broken down. And now the sheep were kind of like escaping from this side for where they were supposed to be and, and going across the street to the other side. I bet you because there was one sheep who had looked at the gate that had fallen down or the fence that had fallen down and says, ah, 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 ah. I bet the grass is greener on the other side. And so they, he had started the way outside and, and, and the other people, the other sheep had looked and says, oh yeah, it must be, let's go. And so there was like dozens of sheep were crossing the road and there were hundreds of sheep that were waiting in line or in a big herd. They were trying to come in and they were going to cross the road for, when the, for where the fence had, had broken, had fallen down and, and they were just crossing the sheep. And as we're waiting there, we're thinking like this is going to take 
take us hours, you know, for, to wait all of these sheep crossing the road. They were in no hurry. And once the sheep got on the other side, you know, they started slowly, you know, just eating around. And some of them were feeling really exhilarated. I am free. I am free. You know, and they were just singing out there. And it was a wonderful sight to see. All of a sudden, as we're stopped in the car, there's another car, a truck, a pickup truck that, uh, that overtakes us and goes and stops right in front of the sheep. And I thought, okay, this must be the shepherd. The shepherd doesn't come out of the car. He just opens his window and he whistles. And from the back of his open truck, two sheepdogs jump out. And these dogs, they, they know their task. They are going to go and get these sheep back on the other side. And, and it's amazing. As they started running, you know, to round the sheep up that had escaped, that had gone to the other side, you know, and they're barking and, and doing everything. It's amazing what happened to the sheep. They felt convicted. They felt the fear of God fall on them. They felt like, wow, I was so foolish. My goodness, I am going to repent. You know what repent means? Repent means that you turn around 180 degrees, and that's exactly what they did. They turned around, and they started going back. Said, oh, I didn't want to go there anyway. I know the grass is not greener on that side. Bah. And for a moment, it was like these people, the, the people, these sheep that were trying to still cross over, and the sheep that were trying to come back because they had the conviction and the fear of the Lord, in their hearts, they started coming back. So there was like this big bracket. But these sheep that had come away from, you know, from the world, they were coming back and they were saying to these sheep that were still trying to go out to the world, they were saying like, you, you shouldn't go there, man. You should not. There's nothing good out there. There is nothing good out there. We've gone. We've experienced it. We've seen it. There's nothing good in the world. Go back. Let's go back. <laughs> and so for after a while, the, the tide started to turn. But there was this one dog, uh, one, one sheep that was, it, I, I think it was probably the first sheep that had said let's go to the other side and 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 he was out way out there and it was just you know in peace like pretending he didn't hear <laughs> pretending he didn't hear the commotion he was just slowly you know chewing on the grass and the and the dog one of the dogs comes up in front of him and puts his face right in front of the sheep and just barks loudly Woof! you know what the sheep does it turns a little bit around and continues chewing like, I didn't hear you. I don't know what you're talking about. And continues to eat there. <laughs> you know what the, what the dog did at that point? I'm just thinking of what went through the head of the dog. Oh, this is one stubborn sheep. Wait till he gets this. And he goes and he goes in the hind leg of the sheep. And it nips at the leg. And you know what happened? A miracle. This sheep that was long lost, this lost sheep decided, oh my goodness, he puts up its head, goes back, and not only starts walking back home, it starts running back home. Said, I don't know what I was thinking about. Why did I ever leave the other side? Why did I come out on this side? And it, it repents and goes back and, you know, salvation all around, lots of, you know, hoofs going up into the air and everything like that. But... That night, I was, when, we, when we had arrived back home, I, I just happened to be reading Psalm 23. And there was a moment there when the Holy Spirit just stopped me and said, You know what? I have two sheepdogs as well. I'm like, what? And I started reading. And it says, yes, there. There's, there's two sheepdogs that God has. Goodness and love. Goodness and love. The other translation uses goodness and mercy, God's mercy. 
Whenever you feel and you're running away and you feel that goodness of God just all of a sudden nip you at your legs or face you at the front, you know, oh, this is God. This is God. You know, because the Bible says that it is his goodness that drives us to repentance. Not his anger, not his hate, not his... It is his goodness that drives us to repentance. And you know that goodness is here today and wants to meet with you. This shepherd, great shepherd, has been looking for you for a long, long time. So I'm going to ask the music team to come forward. And can I ask that we would all stand up for just a moment as we're going to close in prayer. Do you know today the good shepherd? Do you, have, you, have you experienced him? Do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Do you know that he has been looking for you? I cannot explain everything that has happened to you. But I do know that there is a God who not only exists, but loves you. And he's chasing after you. He is looking for you. He is wanting to meet with you. He's wanting to save you and your soul, to rescue you completely. So I'm going to ask that we all bow our heads for just a moment. And, and I'm going to make a very personal uh, call to you. If you're in that spot today that you would like to say to Jesus, Lord, I can't save myself, I know. And I can't explain everything that's in the world, I know. But if you're real, I need a Savior. I need salvation. I need you to come and save me. If, if that's you, if that's a prayer of your heart, saying to Jesus today that, Lord, I don't understand everything, but today I want to come home. Today I want to turn around. Today I want to give my life to the hands that are much bigger than my hands. If, if that's you today, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, it's only a couple of people around here that are just making sure that, you know, that, that we can see you or that they can see you. And, and would you, right now, would you just put up your hand wherever you are just so that I can see and I can, I can pray for you. If you want me to include you in this prayer. If you want to say to the Lord today, I want to receive you. Today, I want to follow you. Today, I want to trust you. Today, I want to ask you in my heart, would you put your hand up wherever you are? The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Are you today in the middle of a storm yourself where you would need some help in your life? If that's you, would you like me to include you in that prayer? And would you just put your hand up wherever you are and say, yeah, would you remember me in that prayer? Just put up your hand wherever you are. Yep, I see your hands. Many hands, many hands going up. Yep, that's awesome. I want to pray for you. 
this morning. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are here. We're thank you, thankful that you're not a God who leaves us in the middle of our storms alone. But your word says that even though we walk through the shadow of the valley of death, or though we walk through the darkest valleys, that you are there with us. And Father, there are friends here this morning who are saying that they're right now in the midst of one of these storms, one of these valleys. Would you come and would you reach them? Would you come and would you touch them? Would you come and, and, and would you extend your hand to them? and Give peace in the midst of the storm because that's what you do best. You give peace in the midst of the storm. And Father, for some of them, perhaps their time has come for the storm to end. So in Jesus' name, I declare in their lives healing in Jesus' name. Physical healing in Jesus' name. I declare in their lives spiritual healing in Jesus' name. I come, Father, against any attacks of the enemy that are beyond their due date. And I say, Lord, today is the day of salvation in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you are doing. Thank you for what you are going to do. And thank you for right now who you are. Thank you that you're the same yesterday and today and forever. And we can trust our tomorrows into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray.